Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the power of your word, Logos. But we thank you that your Holy Spirit brings it alive, Rhema. We thank you that it's your spirit that has inspired the word and reveals specifically to us a word in season for a situation or a life happening so that we can break from or break through or break free from something to what you've called us to. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title of this message today is God Breathed. The scripture is God Breathed and it is Spirit Revealed. The Holy Spirit reveals scripture to us. And I felt today that it was necessary during this current season to do a, a deep dive into the theology of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like and what that means. Uh, because the reason why is because God is personal. Jesus is personal. But the Holy Spirit, I mean, personal. I don't know how much more personal the Holy Spirit is in someone's life can be. And there's a well-known scripture that is something that has uh, been spoken in church a long time. It's Revelation 12, 11, and it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. I think that there is something enlightening, something empowering, equipping about hearing how someone else has defeated a foothold in their life. When someone gets up here and says, guess what? I was once this, but now I'm this. There's something supernatural and significant about someone who was caught in a conundrum and needed a Holy Spirit solution. And then they get that breakthrough and then they're able to testify, check out how good God is. In fact, people around start to question and say, what is it, what's happening in your life that you were able to have a positive confession during COVID-19, a victorious mindset, as if somehow you found a well of hope that you can draw from, that others seem to have been cast into despair, into cynicism. You know, my, my favourite posts on the next door app that I see start with, I don't usually do this, <laughs> right? But I hate this, I don't like this, this is horrible. We have a hope that we find in Christ and the Holy Spirit brings that out. We get a rhema word from God and we will define that. But what I thought we would do today is I thought there's someone at church here that has a really powerful testimony in this area that we would bring to share because as scripture says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so I'm going to invite Miss Vivian Ellis to come this morning. Let's make her feel welcome. And she's going to share a testimony regarding this. Thank you, Mark. Okay, well, there's two holes in the stage here and I'm going to try to avoid them so that I don't provide comic relief for you as well this morning. Um, yeah, when Mark, yeah, when Pastor Mark um, called me this week and uh, asked me to share uh, my testimony and what the Holy Spirit's done in my life, it was like 
I saw Mount Diablo and he was asking me to paint it in great detail because the Holy Spirit has done so much in me and through me and I was like, you know, God, where do you want me to start? Like, what do you want me to share? And I just pray this morning that... um, that just, you know, the Holy Spirit would help me be able to share the amazing things that he's done in my life uh, and not because I'm special or important or any different than any of you, but just to show um, those who here who are listening that God talks back, <laughs> that God wants to talk to you and that if there's one thing that you take away this morning, it would just be those three words, God talks back. I... I uh, grew up in a spirit-filled um, family, in a spirit-filled church, and all that just means is, you know, my parents um, love God, they prayed in tongues, they understood who the Holy Spirit was, um, I, you know, had teachings about the Holy Spirit, I felt his presence in worship, that was all very normal to me, that was just um, a part of the environment that I grew up in. Uh, and when I was, I, you know, became a Christian when I was a child, um, and made that decision for myself. And when I was in a youth camp when I was 13 years old, um, I was a normal, socially awkward teenager. Um, it, <laughs> at 13, I had very short curly hair and um, the, you know, I was, you know, went to this youth camp just wanting to have friends. Uh, that was pretty much what, you know, wanting to have fun. Uh, and they were speaking on the Holy Spirit. And uh, and teaching, and we prayed um, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember, you know, in this barn on a cold winter night, um, that we had faith and expectation walking into that room. And this was, you know, this was a normal youth group. There were the two cool kids um, who were just like, you know, they would sit up the back with their arms crossed and sort of like were there because their parents made them go on a youth camp during the holidays. Um, and there was others who were, you know, hungry and wanting to know more about who God is. But I felt in when I was speaking and when they, you know, they called us up and invited us up, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? Um, it still took faith for me to walk up and decide that that was something that I wanted. And it didn't, like, you know, even though I'd grown up in that environment, I would hear my parents pray in tongues. It still was really hard for me to, you know, like, oh, what will happen? Like, I still had all those natural uh, fears that we would we would experience. And I remember there praying, and then all of a sudden I just started... Um, I had to step out in faith. I had to move my mouth in faith. Even thinking, like... You know, what are these kids going to think about me? Am I just going to be the more... Like, I had to overcome all of that and step out in faith. And as I did, God met me there. And I began to speak in, you know, words that I didn't understand. Not so much even words. And I began to pray. And what I felt in my spirit rise. And I felt... um, I physically felt the tangible presence of God. And after a time that of praying and continuing to pray, I just became more aware of my surroundings. And as I turned around, it wasn't just me who was praying like that. But it was, it was, it was everybody. It was, we were so many, even those, even those surfer, cool, long blonde haired dudes that were sitting up the back with their arms crossed. I, I looked to my right and I saw them with tears running down their face, praying without thinking about their surroundings, praying and and speaking in tongues. And I was just, I knew in that moment what was happening 
was supernatural. Like, it was beyond, like, it was beyond anything that we could have imagined. But we had faith. And that's the, if, um, you know, it's been so awesome hearing um, Mark teach on the Holy Spirit and seeing people come out and receive prayer uh, and that's, and, that, and activate that faith. But it takes, it takes faith. And it took faith back when I was in my, and that's just where praying, when we don't know what to pray, where I found that, where I found that strength. And I'm just going to, I'm not sure if we've got the verse Romans. I can just read it. Romans 8, 26. So, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what, to, what we ought to pray for. We do, not, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And it's like, I, I, as a 13-year-old, I did not know what to pray. Like still, as a 40-something, I still sometimes do not know what to pray in our weakness. It says this, in our weakness. But the Spirit helps us. And that's where I, you know, in my bedroom, I would start to pray and I loved that I could pray without limits. It didn't have to depend on my ability to articulate my circumstance. It didn't, ha- it bypassed my insecurities that I had. And I could just have this language, this way that the, you know, the part, the spirit in me could just communicate and pray. And I would feel, I would just begin to pray and I'd feel a boldness rise. I'd feel my inner spiritual self become stronger. It was like it was helping me stand up tall. And that's something that happened in my bedroom. Like that's something that happened when I was crying out to God. And that's what he can do for us. So if there's, you know, there are high school students, middle school students, and I still remember how hard and impossible high school felt at the time. It has so many challenges, socially, emotionally, mentally. It is, it is a very hard season. And I am so thankful that I had encountered the Holy Spirit when I was in that because it helped give me a strength and a boldness to be able to cope with the things that I was going through at school. And, I mean, I can share so many different um, ways in which God really helped uh, me through that season of my life. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, I was 17 that I learned how to read the Bible for myself. So I'd grown up in church. I heard many awesome sermons. I, um, you, know, I'd, you know, but I never had learned that I could actually just open the Word of God and just read the Bible for myself. And so I had... I. Um, I'd start, you know, I never used to enjoy reading. Uh, I wasn't a big reader. But then when I started to uh, read the Bible for myself, that's when I felt the Holy Spirit explode in my life because he took um, those stories, those, that word of God, and he made them applicable to my circumstance. He gave me, and I understood for the first time what Mark is talking about, that difference between understanding the Logos word and having a Rhema word. Having the word of God be able to speak to you in your specific circumstance. Because like Ellie and Mark are amazing and they preach amazing messages. But they're not with us when we're like on our bathroom floor crying. Which, you know, like I mean, maybe I'm the only person who does that. But when I'm in a point of crisis, um, they can't always be with me. Or they can't be with me. But the Holy Spirit can. 
And when you're there and you cry out and you pray, he can bring to your recollection the word of God that you have read. And he can speak that specific word into your life that helps you navigate your storms, that helps give you strength and courage and hope. And this has happened so many times in my life. Um, I just want to read just the next verse that I have is... um, is John 14, 25 to 26. And this is not something new. Like, and I'm not talking about, like, that this is, you know, Christianity is not a polytheistic religion. This is one God, three persons. This is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told us that he was going to send us a helper. He told us why. And um, so I just want to read John 14, 25 to 26. I have told you these things while I am still with you. So he was talking to his disciples at the time. But the helper, and in the Amplified it expands, it says the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counsellor, the strengthener, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach us all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. And so just those two points. He will teach us all things and he will help you to remember all the things that I have taught you. That's God talking back in our life. That is what we need. And he has been so much more than a helper. He has been, I mean, you can talk, like, he's definitely been my counsellor. He's definitely been our marriage counsellor. He's definitely been my co-parent. When there's been times um, in our life we've been in great financial distress, he has helped us navigate that storm. He has helped us give us wisdom. He has, you know, helped us um, give us strength and patience. He's provided for us. When there's been absolute crisis in our marriage, Like, he has intervened, he has spoken to me, he has spoken to Casey. He's been able to bring us back together to restore, to make us stronger. He is amazing. And he has used his word to do that in our life. And then it's not, so it's not just, um, oh, yeah, I hear this voice. Like, the word of God with the Holy Spirit is what we need. It is what protects us from that, you know, deception. But it also is the living word of God in our life. And so I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that, like, when I faced what was my worst nightmare, I could not feel anything but the love of God. Because in that moment, when I was in my greatest point, which was, you know, what the enemy had designed for my greatest fear to our articulate to come to fruition in that moment all I could feel was God's love because he I could see how the Holy Spirit in that previous week had prepared me had led me for that moment he had prepared my heart and when like I was faced in that moment all I could feel was God you love me so much That you would have your Holy Spirit hold me, lead me, encourage me, strengthen me. So when we face our greatest fears, we're prepared. Like, it's, he is amazing. The, um, I remember after I had my, my second child, I, um, went through, so Joshua, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
uh, it was very different to the first. First child, like, and this has got nothing to do with the child, children, their sales. But um, after, my, after I had to my firstborn, Talitha, I was euphoric. I was full of energy. Um, but when after I had um, Joshua, it felt very, very different. It was, it was almost, you know, uh, straight after delivery, um, I went into postnatal depression. And I went through that postnatal depression for 18 months. And I was a Christian. I was an established Christian. I had been, you know, serving in church. And I'd been like I had what I thought was a well-oiled, you know, machine of my faith. Um, and then I went through this journey. And it was incredibly isolating. I felt incredibly alone. If anyone has been through postnatal depression, you, you feel like you're in prison. You can't, you know, it's so hard for you to feel in touch with your emotions. And... All I had was the word of God. Sometimes, you know, you can't feel even the presence of God. And I trusted God for who he is and that his word was who he, who, like, that he is who he says he is. And his word will do what it says it will do. And so that's all I, they had. And when I now, on the other side of that, I look back at that period of postnatal depression and I treasure it. I thank God for it because of the intimacy that it forged between me and God because of what God did in me, the way that he reworked and reshaped my faith to prepare me for the next season. I feel like I saw the face of God in that, in that season and it was hard. It wasn't easy. At the time, it felt, you know, it, it felt like everything. But I look back and I'm so thankful that I had that time for what it did in my heart, for what I learnt in that season. And that's the same thing for any of the storms that we face. Like, God can speak to us. He can be that navigator. He is so faithful. He's so faithful to us that he can help us understand the storms that we're in and how to navigate through them. So, yes. I mean, I could keep going on, but I know that this is your message, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. And preaching next week all the way from Australia will be, did you hear ours in her heart? Did you hear this? Ah, you're changing. <laughs> they say 30 is the cutoff. You won't change your accent after 30. <laughs> 30. I, I, I love... I absolutely love hearing testimonies that helps us overcome seasons in our life of what we're going through. You just can't quit. You just cannot quit because the Holy Spirit is not finished. He's still wanting to work, still wanting to minister. He will still teach. And I love what Vivian said. I thank God for those hard seasons now. I thank God for them because now she stands on a foundation of strength. Yeah, it was tough, but much stronger. And not only has she been healed, but her testimony can be a testimony of hope for someone else that is going right through it. So John 16, 13 says this, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. 
So the Holy Spirit reveals truth. It is one of the functions and roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because I know that in hard seasons, the enemy lies to you. He deceives and he lies. He accuses. He says stuff that's not true. And we need an anchor to be able to go back to to say, well, hang on, that's not true. Maybe someone rejected you and said you were unattractive. But if you know that the Word of God says that you are beautifully and wonderfully made by your Creator, that comment bounces off you and goes somewhere else. Because we know the Word of God. The Holy Spirit reveals it. So let's look at Logos and Rhema. And what are the definitions of these words? We'll start with Logos. You'll see it on the screen, and I highly recommend screenshots. Uh, Logos, a concept word in the Bible, symbolic of the nature and function of Jesus Christ. It is also used to refer to the revelation of God in the Word. Logos is a noun that occurs 330 times in the Greek New Testament. Of course, the word doesn't always, in fact, it usually doesn't carry symbolic meaning. Its most basic and common meaning is simply word, speech, utterance, or message. That scripture, it is the God-breathed written word. It's true. It's unbelievably true. And when we can see it, my, one of my favorite uh, verses is John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. Logos. And the word, Logos, was with God. And the word, Logos, was God. That's such a powerful scripture, right? Um, and again, I'm not calling anyone out. That's not what we hear, but we, I rely on truth. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses have changed this scripture to say, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. It's funny how one little switch like that can totally take away the authority of who Christ is. Uh, I love uh, the spiritual significance of verse 14 in this same passage. It's in uh, John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, he, and we beheld his glory and the glory, uh, the glory as one of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I believe that both Logos and Rhema are the Word of God, but the former is God's Word objectively recorded in the Bible, while the latter is the Word of God spoken to us at a specific occasion by the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. A definition of Rhema, again, you'll see on your screen, the second primary Greek word that describes Scripture is Rhema which refers to a word that is spoken and means an utterance. A rhema is a, very, is a verse or portion of scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention with application to a current situation or need for direction. So, I mean, I remember hearing these words for the first time. I thought rhema would be a great name for a, a baby girl if we ever had a baby girl. But... <laughs> And I wasn't trying to joke. <laughs> Rhema. So an example in Scripture of this Rhema moment happening would be Acts eleven sixteen, 
And it says, Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Did, did you catch that at the start? That was the important part. Then I thought of the Lord's words. This is rhema. This is, in that moment, the Bible, the word of God came alive. And they knew what to do. Quickened to the spirit. Logos is written truth. And rhema is written truth revealed. Revealed to you for your season, for what you're going through. If you feel like right now in your deepest hole or darkest valley, guess what? There's a rhema word for you. There is a rhema word from God that God will specifically speak to you. It will give you hope. It will lift your faith. It will cause you to not think on what's going wrong, but what's possible and what can God can do right in our life. There's a rhema word for you to trust and believe that God will bring that. A possible example that I found in Scripture uh, came out of our men's group, uh, which meets at 7 a.m. at the ministry center every Saturday morning. A possible example of the Holy Spirit uh, being revealed in his word to us is Acts uh, 18:24 to 26. And a lot of scripture here today, but I guess that matters. Let the word do the work, right? Uh, Acts 18:24 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew about John's baptism. What a random thing to say. He only knew about John's baptism. Well, that to me implies there's more than one. And why would they add that bit in? Why would they bring about to say this, he only knew about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Now, my, my implied interpretation of this scripture, I'm not making a truth claim here. I'm not stating a fact. I'm just kind of picking up what they're laying down in a sense. I, I, and again, you can't take what I'm saying here as doctrine, but to me, it's pretty obvious that they are implying that Priscilla and Aquila pulled Apollos aside to talk to him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So why does that matter to us? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit plays a role supernaturally, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the way Scripture is revealed in our life. Now, what am I saying is that God only speaks to people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. That is crazy theology. That is not God. That is not true. And I'll stand by that for the rest of my life. But what I am saying is this, is that there's a supernatural component to this. There's something supernatural about what's happening here and how God's word is revealed. And, and scripture, even more clearly, as, it, as the uh, chapter goes on to verse 19, and how the Holy Spirit, and they break down the difference between. It's Acts 19, 1 to 7, that says, Why Apollos was in Corinth. Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. He just found them. There they were. Did you receive, and listen to what he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? 
he asked. They replied, the baptism of John. Uh, the baptism of John. Then what baptism did you experience? And he replied, baptism of John. And John, uh, baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized, not, not water, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there was 12 men in all. This is a supernatural baptism of the Holy Spirit that took place. And it's our relationship with the Holy Spirit as this takes place that takes us to a place of, of intimacy with him that reveals scripture in a way that in the, in the order in which God does this and how God has structured this. Um, now, I want to say this. Speaking in tongues, you caught that at the end, speaking in tongues and prophesying. I want you to know that as a church, we are never going to force or push spiritual gifts on you. Okay? If you feel uncomfortable, good. I'm okay with that. I, I, don't, I don't want you to feel a sense from me that I'm trying to force a theology down. You have to get to this place yourself. Otherwise, if I can teach you in it, someone else can teach you out of it. This is something that you come to a conclusion between you and God. But, however, I won't force the Holy Spirit, but we will preach the Holy Spirit. We will preach about what we see in Scripture. This is why a lot of my messages right now are very heavily Scripture-based. Um, and I can say that don't ever feel like you have to, or on a fringe or on the outer, or there's people that have, and there's the haves and the have-nots. That is not the heart of exchange. What matters to me as a pastor and, and as a disciple like you, a disciple of Christ, is that we are growing in our spirit-inspired revelation of God. That's what matters to me, that we're growing forward in our own personal relationship with God. And I will add an R.C. Sproul quote. When I read the Bible, the Bible criticizes me. I don't criticize the Bible. So, so for me personally, um, many of you know I grew up in a, a rough neighborhood. I grew up in a beautiful part of Australia, but a very rough part of Australia. Our family grew up with little means and it was a government housing project and a lot of poverty, a lot of um, unemployment. And so it was a pretty wild time. You, you didn't have to be home when the streetlights come on because your parents said it. You had to be home before the streetlights come on because you didn't want to get beat up by the local crazy people that were walking around at night. So it was a pretty wild uh, neighborhood. In fact, I believe that there were six known drug dealers that lived on our street just on our street alone. And I knew, we knew that because my job as a young teenager when I came of age was to mow the lawn and water the garden. That was my responsibility and I'd have to do that every couple of weeks. And so I did it. But I noticed that our garden hose was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Like, why is our hose getting shorter? So I told my dad and he didn't think anything of it until one night, we heard noises outside and we found the teenage boys from next door cutting the end of our hose off. What they were doing is they were making makeshift bongs so they could smoke their marijuana. So we lived in a pretty wild neighborhood. And uh, one night, this is just to paint the scene right now, all unnecessary information for you, but you're getting a feel for where I grew up. I was at a party. I never much went to parties. 
as a kid and I went to this party. It was my friend. He was born uh, same day as me and we went to this party and it was about 50 teenagers just <laughs> going crazy um, but felt safe. It was enclosed. But then a group of 20 or 30 other teenage kids who had a reputation for beating other kids up, for breaking things and stealing things and we didn't want that group in the house. And so they were kicking down the fence, they were throwing beer bottles at the house, they were doing all this crazy stuff. And, and they, someone yelled out from that group, why won't you let us in? And some moron said, because Mark Cotter said no. <laughs> Literally is what someone said. Um, and I promised to God that's exactly what was said. And I'm like, oh man. So sure enough, they go crazy. We want Mark Cotter. We want Mark Cotter. Bring him out. Give, him, give us Mark Cotter and we'll leave you alone. So I'm, I'm, all, I'm panicking because at the time, I was Oscar's age and Beckett's height. So <laughs> it was not good. Not a good situation. And I stayed at that party until 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. I made double sure that everyone had left and I was safe. But I was blacklisted. I was, I was a marked man, <laughs> a marked 15-year-old man. And I, was, I remember in my level of maturity, I was petrified, petrified that my mum and dad would find me beat up on the side of the road. I had a secret weapon, a big brother, but I hadn't been able to deploy him in that moment. So <laughs> I went to bed that night and I read my Bible and my hands were shaking. I was, I was saying, God, please speak to me. And I, I was really desperate and, and completely freaking out. And I promise you, I'm not, I'm not lying when I say this and I make this up. I just, I rush and roulette my Bible and open up to any page that I could get. God speak to me. And I opened up at Psalm 91. I don't know why I'm teary, because I'm safe now, my man. <laughs> but I still remember the Holy Spirit moment when he spoke. That's what, what moves me is, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the pestilence, uh, the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckle. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. It shall not come near you. And I had peace. I was convinced that I was safe. God had got my back. And that was better than a big brother. <laughs> God had my back. There was nothing the enemy could do to come and try and take that away from me. The Logos became Rhema. Yeah. The Word came alive. The Holy Spirit revealed it. I know it's a silly little story, but I know there are much more serious circumstances that you're, you face right now as adults. As we grow up, we collect more life experience and things happen. We go through pressures, but the Word can come alive. I believe as the Holy Spirit comes in, He empowers us and, we can, and the Word comes alive and we can read it in a way 
that changes the way that we connect with God. And I realize this, that it tells me that we could study the scriptures until we are knowledgeable and theological, but completely miss what the Holy Spirit is wanting to reveal to us in the Holy Scriptures. It's possible to study Logos and miss Rhema. It's a possibility, and I don't want that. I want to, every time I read Scripture, to experience Rhema. And so I take the prayer that we all pray very seriously before I read my Bible. God, open up my heart, clear my mind, speak to me. And God, I pray it blesses me so I can be a blessing. I pray it heals me so I can be a healer and help other people in their process of healing. I pray these prayers because I want to see what God is doing in my life. We believe as a church there is only one correct meaning of any biblical text. That's a quote again from R.C. Sproul. There is only one correct meaning of any biblical text. However, there are a multitude of application. There are many nuances of significance of Scripture in our life. And I believe the Holy Spirit uses Scripture to reveal the multitude of application and the nuances of significance in, in, our, in the everyday happenings of our life. The Holy Spirit comes in and He reveals. And He takes a challenge or even a victory moment and He, and he reminds us and He quickens it to our spirit. And so... As a church, I believe that eventually we will get to spiritual gifts. This is awesome. A lot of people have incredible spiritual gifts and you'll find and God will enlighten them and we'll see that stuff happen. But I do believe I get saved and I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And it's awesome. And that is an incredible place to be. And you should thank God that you're, if you're there, you should thank God that you're there. Um, and this is not stepping up a ladder, by the way. Again, this is just what the Holy Spirit is doing as we run at the pace of faith. Then we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we see in Acts 19, 1 to 7. When the Holy Spirit, we have that Holy Spirit encounter and He fills us and equips us. And all these our spiritual gifts come alive in a way. And by the way, the strength to fuel your spiritual gifts don't come from you. They come from God. They do not come from good works. You know, standing there, and Tim's mic wasn't working at the start of the service. You know why? The batteries were dead. They weren't working. The microphone works, but there was no power. There was no power in it to drive it, to make it work. That was a beautiful illustration. And you all had a front row seat to see how the Holy Spirit works. The, Holy, we put the batteries are the Holy Spirit. They came in, they filled the battery, and the microphone came back alive. Amen. <laughs> Did anybody else catch that? Or was that just me this morning? The Holy Spirit comes in, fills us, equips us, and empowers us to do what we're called to do. This is exciting. So I'd love to pray right now uh, for him. Do you receive the word today? Amen. Thank you, Vivian, as, as well, for such an incredible word. I'm going to pray that we would... Uh, listen to this message again and, and, and make sure we write down and hear what the scriptures are actually saying what we're actually saying uh, I know again we said we're going to take this slow as we, as we go forward plus I've got to speed this prayer up because there's Korean barbecue outside I can smell it so. Holy Spirit we just thank you that you're present and you're in this place right now Holy Spirit I pray that you will begin to have your way in people Lord I know Lord many of us have got 
years of spiritual experience, of biblical teaching. But God, I pray that if it's true, you would interrupt us in a most general way as you do. Holy Spirit, I pray that the faith within us would rise up to explore what it is that you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there would be an outpouring of your Spirit, Lord, at Exchange Community Church. Lord, I pray that there would be an infilling of your Spirit at Exchange Community Church. Lord, I pray that all of us, Lord, would desire eagerly the gifts, would desire eagerly what you want to do in us and through us. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that right now, Lord, that if, if this is not of you, it would fall away. But Lord, if it is of you, Lord, we will, we will go deeper and seek more of what you have in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, uh, if you are new here and you have not begun a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you after the service to come up and have a conversation with myself, Tim or Ellie or any of the community group leaders, maybe the person that brought you. And we'd love to pray a prayer with you to get you back on the right track in your relationship with God. We also have incredible community groups that happen during the week where, to be quite honest, today's message came out of community groups. And so uh, we like to say on Sundays we go wide, but in community groups we go deep into the Word of God. Uh, Other than that, uh, we pray that you have a fantastic week. And again, we are Exchange. That's right, community. We like that part too, by the way, in that name. We didn't just make it up and add it in later. It's a big part of who we are. Uh, We pray uh, that you have an awesome time out here getting to know people. We've got shades outside and it's Korean barbecue. I had it yesterday and it is absolutely phenomenal. So, So have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.